Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank's Presents. In our continuing series of town elections, I want to welcome Kobe Fringilla, town councilor running for re-election. Yes, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Kobe, your family has been in Franklin for a, a while and you're a real Franklin native. Yeah, I, uh, we moved, my family moved in 1961. Uh, they, you know, came from the, the west end of Boston, that closed down. Um, sort of got into the Boston suburbs and then went and uh, formed a home. Uh, my dad grew up here, so that was my, my grandparents were Josephine, who owned the, the Little White House dress shop. Um, my grandfather, Ed, who was a longtime crossing guard at the Kennedy School right. um, and involved in scouts and police work before that. Um, and then they grew, uh, they raised um, five kids. My dad was the youngest of them, so all my uncles and aunts went through uh, Franklin High. Um, and then my dad was the only one to come back, move back, bought a house on Maple Street, uh, where we still live to this day. Um, we also, I'm also one of five, and so we all um, grew up and went to uh, Franklin High School. Um, and my parents, uh, Rich and, and Sandra, are very involved in soccer, super involved in soccer. If you ever, you know, go through soccer, you've probably run into them. Uh, but also, you know, performing arts communities, uh, volunteer work around, uh, as are, are me and my siblings. So, uh, very proud to be a, a Franklin native and uh, care a lot about this town. And you went to the University of Mass up in Amherst. And what did you receive your degrees in? Yeah, got a few degrees. Uh, two bachelors in uh, political science and economics with a minor in environmental science. Um, and then I stuck around and got my master's in public policy. Um, so, you know, the whole time it was, it was about, uh, you know, how, how do we identify and start to solve some uh, social issues? And I, I always had a little bit of a focus within that on um, you know, energy, uh, climate policy issues. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted to be uh, giving back, wanting to be uh, working in some way to uh, sort of improve the world. And uh, that so far has allowed me to do so. The, what, what do you do now, Colby? Yeah, so when I, I graduated, I actually started working for an economic research firm in Rentham that focuses on clean energy and climate policy research. And then our chair, uh, sorry, our state rep, Jeff Roy, became the chair of the uh, Telecommunications, Utilities, and Energy Committee. And uh, I was able to join uh, the committee staff. So I work for the Committee on Telecommunications, Utilities, and Energy. So doing a lot of you know, clean energy uh, policy research. I'm, I'm still in a research position, uh, but now a little closer to where decisions are being made, and I get the added benefit of sort of, um, you know, watching and learning from uh, Franklin State Rep um, and getting to pay attention to some Franklin uh, things going on. Yeah. How, how do you do research into energy? I mean, without getting too technical, what what is it that you're actually sure. uh, trying to find out? Yeah, so, most of it comes to us, right? There's a certain amount of bills that are written uh, every legislative session that get sent to all the committees and all the energy committees, uh, which I believe is about 200 uh, bills, were, were sent to us. And it's my job, uh, I'm one of three, whose job it is to review, uh, to get expert testimony, to have public hearings on them, and then to make some decisions about whether they're favorable or not, or help uh, the chair 
um, or in the committee make those decisions. So a lot of it is about researching what we have in front of us. Um, and then we do get a little bit of say of, um, all right, what does the chair, what does the Speaker of the House want us to chase down? And then, you know, so the big topic right now is offshore wind. And so we get to reach out to a ton of stakeholders, supply chain, workforce, uh, developers, utilities, and um, hold interviews and uh, read a lot of different reports, read a lot of different articles, put together a research report, and now we're putting together a piece of legislation on offshore wind that we're able to move forward. Yeah. As I remember, the town of Franklin uh, gets its electricity from a special reduced source. Am I correct? You are, yeah. And so, can you tell us a little about that? Sure. So, uh, I actually wrote my my master's thesis on municipal energy aggregation programs, uh, which is something that Franklin actually, when I was writing it, we um, we had approved the policy, but we had never entered a contract. Just recently, we entered uh, a contract, which basically says, um, if I were, if I as a town or if I as an individual wanted to go out and change my uh, supplier who supplies my electricity. I don't have much bargaining power. I can do that. You're allowed to do that in Massachusetts, which is not true in every state. Uh, but if we as a community go out and say, hey, all of us will go, what's the best price that you can give us? And what are our, our different um, you know, perks? And, and how can you change that energy supply? Maybe we can get a better deal. Well, Franklin was able to. Um, we, we got a fantastic deal uh, where all of our uh, energy is 100% being offset by renewable energy credits. So you know, we're essentially paying for renewable energy uh, to be generated. And uh, I think the most recent one, it cost, uh, it saved uh, residents four cents compared to sticking with the utilities. So you're allowed to opt out. Um, you, can, you can stay with your uh, utility. You can leave to another competitive supplier whenever. You can jump back and forth as many times as you want, uh, but Right now, if you stay in the program, uh, you're saving quite a bit of money uh, compared to the utilities and doing so um, with 100% renewable energy credits. So it's been a pretty but, good but program. The energy still comes from national grid. I mean, the bill. The bill the all bill stays the same. All yep. stays the same. Still, they're still the distributor. Distributor. Yeah. Right. So if you get, like I get in the mail every so often, a thing out of Washington, D.C. or something that says, you know, go to renewable energy. We are, you are already there. Already there. Yeah. Already there. Yeah. At a lower cost. Correct. Correct. And 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 one of the things that slowed down the industry and and why Franklin, one of the reasons Franklin was slower to get there, is that there are so many different competitive suppliers trying to you know send mailers and knock on your door and say, hey, check out this new thing. Yeah. Um, so if I could give a piece of advice, uh, you know, do it do what works best for you, but. Uh, Opting in, you know, staying in our program um, is most likely going to be most beneficial to you. Yeah. Can we ever stop Eversource from calling our house at least once a week? <laughs> uh, is there a bill that's filed to do that, <laughs> or can uh, we file one? We are looking at, at bills to limit uh, the opportunities for electric companies to contact. Um, yeah, homeowners. That is something that that we are looking at at the state legislature. Um, and that uh, you know, at the local level, uh, most of what we're doing is trying to make sure we're not uh, getting our power out. But we are trying to call our uh, electric companies in more regularly into town council meetings. Colby, this is your first term as a town councilor. Yeah. How has the academic side 
met the practical nuts and bolts side? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the biggest thing is um, the academic side sort of hasn't stopped. You know, I, I think every day, I mean, very rarely does a day go by where I don't, I'm not reading articles, uh, the latest academic articles, document, watching documentaries, listening to podcasts, reading audiobooks. You know, all it all it did for me is make it that much more interesting. Where it was one thing to study it; it's another thing to study it, knowing that you can have a direct impact on the community. So that's really only excited me in terms of you know how uh, policy differs from from practice. Um, a lot of it is is about you know who you're working with and the uh, systems in place, uh, you know how we get things done, and that takes some time, and still is taking some time to understand. Okay, here's here's how we move things forward. Here's how we uh, you know generate change. Um, so that's really been it. I think a lot of the solutions uh, have been similar to my studies. I took a course on. Uh, sustainable cities and sort of sustainable economic development of uh, you know, small cities and a lot of that coursework has been very applicable but uh, it's not as easy as you know snapping your finger you have to make sure that you've educated everyone that you've given opportunity for uh, input and that you've you know worked with your your colleagues so um, everything's a bit a bit slower than uh, you know they make it seem in, in class uh, but I think that's a, a good part of the process. What subcommittee did you uh, are, are you a member of? Yeah, member of the Economic Development Committee, which was uh, I'm very lucky. That's what I wanted to be on, uh, and we've gotten a lot done uh, through there. Um, that's definitely. I, I think you know, if, if each uh, member brings a little bit of a different strength, I think some of my strengths are around uh, you know economic developments. So we've. Um, create a new business guide, we pass policies to make it easier uh, for food trucks uh, to come to town, to make it easier for uh, breweries and distilleries and wineries to expand uh, and have viable uh, business products. Um, we've uh, recommended and now move forward with the downtown zoning study, so we're going to relook at uh, land use policies around downtown. So the whole bunch we've been able to get done in a very short uh, period of time through that committee. One thing you haven't been able to do is move the MBTA to make downtown uh, train station handicapped accessible and to bring a second rail line through Franklin. Why is that? Yeah, the MBTA is notoriously difficult to work with for communities. Um, that is high on the on the priority list, uh, and we've been you know trying to get them. Uh, to, to move forward. We had a presentation on um, all the ways that it's not accessible and in fact dangerous. Um, I think that the recent uh, issues that they've been having have given at the state level uh, more urgency to start addressing community needs. So we're going to continue to advocate. I know that um, our state representative does a fantastic job uh, continuing to, to advocate and get them uh, get them down here so uh, we're working on it and as I, I've heard I've heard that there's some progress to move forward on a on a second uh, line and part of that might involve um, sort of the the stretch where it turns off at Union Street mm -hmm. uh, there's sort of that mostly unused stretch currently owned by CSX um, there might be some movement uh, from MBTA 
to um, purchase and use that for, for sort of uh, second rail storage. Yeah. Franklin uh, School Department got a million dollars from the coronavirus. And the town itself, I understand, may be getting around 10 million. How do you envision, now first of all, what upsets me is that money can't be used to pay back past bills, bills, bills that we've already paid to fight coronavirus. We can't use that money to do that. Correct. The other thing is the money has to be spent by, what is it, September of 23? Yes. 2023? Has to be spent. Has to be spent, paid for, oh, yeah. gone. Okay. Yeah. So well, you can't use it to, to put in place ongoing programs. You have to really kind of use it for one-time expenses. What do you think is most appropriate to spend $10 million and yet spend it wisely for the town of Franklin? Yeah, we just had a presentation uh, on this, what, on Wednesday um, uh, at a town council meeting. So I'd recommend anyone go back. But uh, it, you're correct, it's $10 million. It, we don't get it all at once. Um, so pretty soon we'll have our first three million uh, of that. And uh, town administration talked to all the departments, listened to all the counselors and put forth a list of uh, priority projects for us to start with. And I, I frankly think that they're a fantastic list. Um, it's a few things. And there's a whole bunch of restrictions around uh, what we can spend it on. And so within that, uh, good things to spend it on are public safety, especially public safety capital expenditures, um, mental health, you know, uh, there's been a, a, this is only worse than the mental health crisis. Um, and uh, infrastructure expenditures that um, are currently being, you know, placed on, you know, the, the costs are being placed on people who have been struggling through this pandemic and, you know, the economic uh, impacts of the pandemic. So uh, what we were able to do, uh, you know, sort of the first few projects that are coming through, uh, one is a, a tower uh, to improve the radio signal. Both the police and fire chief came in and uh, talked about how there's a, a whole dead zone, especially around Populatic Pond, where they can't reach both each other and uh, the MEC, the um, emergency uh, management system. Huge problem for uh, our public safety. So putting a, a tower in there will be able to uh, improve our public safety, while also you know, we can then rent that tower out to telecommunications companies and get some more income. So that, you know, these are high return on investment uh, opportunities. Um, another project was a mental health clinician. So currently we have one mental health clinician uh, who works eight hours, uh, um, sorry, not eight hours, eight hour days, I think three days a week uh, in the town of Franklin. Uh, and what, is he, what does she do? Yeah, so this is a, a pure clinician, mental health specialist who uh, tags along in police office, uh, t you know, tags along uh, with police officers on calls related to uh, mental health. And so many of their calls um, are not, uh, are, are, they're not, um, you know, violent or, 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 you know, the traditional crimes that uh, you think of. So many of them are mental health, 
mental health uh, crises these days, and that's only increased. So we were part of a jail diversion program. We were one of the first communities to get a state grant to fully fund one mental health clinician uh, for 10 years. Uh, what the proposal is, is, that's been fantastic. If you talk to anyone uh, in, in the police office, they said uh, this has been an absolutely fantastic uh, program and needed, and more communities are joining us. Um, and so the opportunity is to add a second shift of uh, mental health workers so we can have uh, full coverage um, at least uh, during the week um, with mental health services. And so that would be a second shift for a few years uh, that we'd be able to fund through this. Uh, and the last thing is stormwater. So uh, the EPA had uh, these mandates around steps that the town needs to be taking for stormwater. Uh, it costs a ton. It's entirely uh, uh, unfunded. And so we're going to have to figure out uh, some way to, to fund uh, those mandates. What we're able to do and what the proposal is, is to use uh, some of this money to um, not, you know, sort of push off the time that we're going to have to more directly place that burden on, uh, on taxpayers. And so we're able to put, allocate quite a bit toward knocking off a whole bunch of uh, stormwater uh, needs. My concern in that area is that you, you want to move it from the budget, which you can, is part of your taxes and you can deduct on your income taxes, to a fee which is not deductible on your income tax. And in the fee, you want to charge churches, religious organizations, you want to charge the uh, nonprofits, you want to uh, charge Dean College. But traditionally, We've always looked at charities and religious organizations as we don't want to add to their expenses because they're doing good things in our community. Um, and so they really should not, uh, again, I'm expressing my opinion, and I'm asking your opinion. Should these organizations be charged these fees and should cemeteries be charged because the tombstones are impervious services and and a little under the ground you have caskets that are impervious services i mean how how far are we going to go so just to to reframe uh what has been done uh so there was so the stormwater mandates came in we tried to we went to uh court we tried to um you know push back on on these very large unfounded unfunded mandates um, to some success, but not complete. So we still have to move forward. And we've seen other communities get fined, very, very, very large fines for not moving forward. Yeah, and Quincy so, was one of them. Yeah, Quincy was one of them. I think there was just uh, another one recently, um, and it's slipping my mind uh, who it was. Uh, so we have to do something. And so we put together a, a stormwater committee to uh, look into this. There's a few uh, town council members to really look into all the options. And what they came back with after that whole time was a proposal to, yeah, to, you know, what's the best way to fund uh, stormwater? They came back and said, it's to charge people and properties based on the amount of sort of uh, that they're adding to our stormwater issue. I now, can live with that, but I can't live with charging religious or, or nonprofits or educational. Sure, so the, the, the policy didn't move forward yet, has not moved forward yet. 
um, by us having uh, the uh, committee, we were able to show that we're doing something. Again, we got um, some time to sort of push off uh, that answer, but those are the very questions that we're gonna have to be deciding, right? What counts as impervious coverage? Uh, trees. Who, who do we want to uh, be paying that? Uh, yeah, well, is, is gravel, are gravel uh, driveways the same as, as concrete driveways? It's gonna be a, you know, uh, a, a sort let, of slippery let, slope. Let me move on to a, sure. an important question. Yeah. Colby, you've been very active in anti-discrimination, and you've been very active in uh, highlighting some things that maybe high school minority students were going through. But w w Afghanistan refugees that worked with our military are now by large numbers coming to the United States and will need to be deployed somehow throughout the United States. Should Franklin be an active participant and draw up active plans to draw some of these individuals to the town of Franklin uh, to help really in our diversity and to help them that have helped us? Yeah, it's, it's a good question and one that has not been posed yet. Uh, so I commend you for, for asking it. So uh, first I would say very proud of, of the progress that has been made. Uh, in the wake of, of the murder of George Floyd um, in you know, summer 2020, uh, huge outpouring of support. There was a, a real uh, look to revisit the town's um, you know, equity and inclusion uh, policies. Uh, during our, our campaign, we were able to uh, you know, continue that conversation. We had a, a fantastic video of students sharing their experiences uh, with race, which then led to the creation of Di Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee at uh, the school department. We then hosted four different community conversations on how uh, race inter intersects with different uh, parts of the community. Um, so it's, it's been uh, a fantastic shift in terms of, okay, it's one thing to sort of condemn nationally, it's another to look inward as to how, how do we be a more uh, inclusive and, and, and equitable place. So when it comes to um, refugees, again, the, uh, there's nothing in front of us uh, right now as to, uh, you know, calls for us uh, for action, and I, and I look forward to sort of considering them if they, if they do come. But I will say we need to continue to make sure that we are uh, an inclusive uh, and, and welcoming community. And that's, not, you know, it's partly uh, socially, culturally, making sure that we have uh, systems in place and a sort of culture of welcoming um, uh, d diversity, uh, but it also means uh, income diversity and wealth diversity. And uh, so we're looking at our, our affordable housing strategies right now. You know, how can we make sure that we uh, retain a certain amount of um, housing at an affordable price point? Uh, how do we change uh, some of our zoning that to allow for different types of units? that are more affordable uh, to different types of people. Um, I, I just walked through the Dover Farms community, which is one of the most diverse uh, communities in Franklin. About a quarter of the properties are dedicated affordable, um, you know, for people earning up to 80% of area median, median income. 
what that's been able to do is create this, you know, little smaller lot sizes, this gorgeous, very walkable, uh, very communal neighborhood with a whole bunch of different people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. And what it tends to, to bring is a lot of uh, immigrants and, and, you know, first time uh, home buyers who are able to jump into the market, then start to contribute to uh, Franklin and then mo move on uh, and, and buy a, another home for themselves and pass on this home to someone else. So I think uh, that there's a lot we can do right. uh, to I'll, make our place I'll more be, welcome. Let me ask this. If people want yeah. to join your campaign, learn more about your campaign, how can they do that? We would love to have you. Uh, KobeFrangillo.com, that's C-O-B-I-F-R-O-N-G-I-L-L-O.com. Can There's you do that slowly, slowly once more? Sorry, C-O-B-I-Frangillo, F-R-O-N-G-I-L-L-O.com. Uh, that's gonna be your best way to reach us, but we're also on social media, Frangillo for the number four Franklin. That's on Facebook and Instagram, and then on Twitter, at Kobe Frangillo. So lots of ways that we're trying to uh, keep people uh, aware of what's going on around town, uh, but also a lot of ways for you to join us, help us reach voters, help us engage more people. We uh, are looking to only increase uh, the community engagement within our election process. Um, so if you want to be a part of that, uh, come help us. Thank you for coming. Thank you and, very uh, much. Best of luck on your campaign. And Colby and I want to see you on November 2nd from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. at the Franklin uh, Gymnasium at the Franklin High School. Uh, or if we don't see you then, we hope you vote by mail or that you go to the town clerk's office and vote uh, at the town clerk's office. Uh, so this is uh, Colby and uh, Frank, uh, wishing you uh, the best of uh, learning about who's running and the best of making your decision because this election probably affects your pocketbook and your life in a community more than even voting in a presidential election. Very much so. Yes. And we, we encourage you to go out there. Yes. Again, thank you. Colin. Thank you. This is great. This program was made possible by your Franklin friends and neighbors. Good folks, just like you. Thanks for supporting Franklin TV. And thanks for watching.